0: Welcome back to the Discovering Forestry podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Lofi, alongside the Joe Aitken. Joe, happy spring. How are you? Um, feeling like spring.
1: You know, it was a good day that, you know, everything up here in Midwest, Michigan is green as can be. Uh, we're past flower on the crab apples, trees your grass, everything's just booming. Um Soccer seasons roaring with the boys. Just you know, life is good. I love this time of the year when uh, you kind of come out of dormancy and now you feel alive. You know, you felt stuffy. So, Corey, um, I'm feeling good, excited. Um, always excited to talk to you, and I'm really excited to talk to our guest tonight. Uh, this can be pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, our our guest tonight is Craig, the Tree Guy from Prescott, Arizona, and. I actually finally got to meet Craig in person after probably a year and a half of technical support, texts and calls and emails. And Craig has gotta be one of the most interesting, fascinating young men that I've, I've come across in, in all the travels. And I really, really think people need to hear his story. So without any further ado, Craig, welcome to the podcast please tell us a little bit about your journey through forestry or arboriculture thus far. Awesome. Joe,
2: Corey, thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here and speak with you gentlemen. And, um, yeah, like Corey said, my name is Craig Onkin from Prescott or Prescott, Arizona. If you're not from around these parts, um, lived here pretty much my whole life I was uh, spent a little time down in Phoenix at one point but yeah I'm been here and love it here R- really awesome hometown and uh, I take a lot of pride I think people from here take a lot of pride in this place and it's kind of a unique place to be and I feel very fortunate um, it's a good life
1: so fantastic now let's uh let's let's go into your you're the tree guy, how, tree, where did you get the tree guy? How long have you been in the business? What have you been doing? How did you get into, uh, like Corey and I, We, kind of, we in, a, in a previous podcast, we talked about how we've been drawn to this our whole lives and just, you know, it's, it's a unique uh, industry and most of the people that we have on, even uh, we did Heidi Fry with the Michigan DNR, she's been in trees her whole life. She just knew she was going to be in the tree business. Craig, did, did, was that you? Uh, you know, not
2: originally. I, I didn't really have a, a, a passion or really any experience in trees uh, up until the point. Um, I was about 18, I think, is the first time I ever ran a saw. And uh, that's how I was introduced in the tree, into the tree world. Um, so, yeah, i never thought it would be to this point at all, but um, I think the good Lord every day that it did happen. And I, I truly do enjoy my life and working with trees and most of the people that own the trees. Uh,
1: you, got, you, got, you got, if I can, you got kind of got bit by the bug, you know, once you get into it. Uh, um, call it the woodworm, Joe. You know what? That's a great term. I'm going to put that, the, one, the woodworm. I'm writing that one down. Yeah, like, I like gotcha.
2: Yeah, some people get it, man. It just never goes away, and yeah, it's great. My wife thinks I'm crazy. Like I go out and work 14 hours a day, and come home and then watch YouTube and listen to podcasts about trees and more sawing and stabbing and just milling. It just never ends, man. That's it's awesome. Good. Man. That that yeah. that's
0: how we know that you're passionate about it. And yeah. what one of the things that I know you're passionate about, and I actually had the pleasure of, of watching one of your YouTube videos. It's some of the crazy removals that you do. Is it with the Forest Service or can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, yeah, so um, I guess I it, at this current point in time is what I am considered is a contract timber faller for the the Forest Service is what my, I guess, title is. And it's basically a fancy term for saying two rednecks with some chainsaws and a pickup truck and we we, yeah we just cut some pretty hazardous trees and um yeah you know the whole YouTube thing is kind of funny it it really started very organically I'm not really at least I try and not be a person that's like look at me and bragging and I'm, I'm the best it's not really who I am or I don't want to be viewed like that so Um, you know even this podcast I'm like a little you know hesitant to yeah it's with some great guys so it's well worth it Um, but yeah so back in the day uh, the old flip phone era um, I was sending you know knocking down some pretty good toads uh, pickles whatever you want to call them (laughs) sending them to my cousin and uh, everybody and my grandpa calls me he's like hey, why don't you send me these videos? I want to see all these big trees falling down. Like, well, Grandpa, you got a flip phone, man. I can't do it. So we figured out that I started uh, my YouTube and I just put it as simple as possible. I was like, Grandpa, go on YouTube, type in my name, and then you can click on the videos and watch them there. And they were just short little mini clips of trees falling. And yeah, whenever I have time, I try and put videos together and just have fun. It's all just trying to be fun.
0: some of the videos i saw i guess one of the most recent ones i saw you you were somewhere in california on a fire Mm -hmm. and you were knocking out when we say big trees like joe and i've been in the industry a while we see anything over 60 70 inches if you need the 88 with a three or four foot bar you know Mm. that's that's a big tree but you you took out some redwoods and some sequoias can you
2: which yeah, there's a, yeah, a lot of cedar trees get pretty large um, in, in, you know, like the Sierra Nevadas. And then you go get some pretty big firs going. And it gets pretty interesting when there's like 10% of the tree left and it's a good 140 160 foot tree and it's just burnt down to not there i have seen trees that i am absolutely baffled that they're still standing i mean super hard leaners at like five feet at the base with just rhinewood left and they're still standing man it's crazy it's wild there's some very tough specimens man it's crazy so.
1: it's um it's a very unique um like you said two hailbillies in a pickup truck some chainsaws but you know what? You serve a, a, such a valuable service with your experience to do something that, technically, you're there because you have the know-how to get it done safely. I know it's not a safe job, but this is something you have to learn through time. You just don't grab a, you know, a, a thirty-one twenty with a four-inch bar and go out there and just slay trees. You know, this is something you got to work your way into. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of physics involved. To making this come down where you need to, and most of us don't do it after the structure's been compromised, which puts us another added um, fear factor in your pants. Because you know what, you don't. Sometimes you don't know which way it's going. Yeah, it's you know. Educated guess, I guess.
2: Yeah, you. It, as long as it's not too big of a rush or the ground's not terribly hot. you you do spend some time and really evaluate it and, you know, plumb bob some trees and really take, get a good game plan together. And, you know, sometimes it comes down to crippling it and smashing it with a green tree, you know, tree bashing. But, uh, you know, that's, I would say that right there is my favorite part of tree work in general. Every single day and every single tree is never the same. It's always something new, you know, when you're injecting, when you're falling, when you're climbing, whatever it is, they're just yeah. You could get in the stand, you know, the same trees, but still, there's really never one in the same. So every I tree
1: think, is different. Every I In my mind, they're all different, man. You know what's interesting is that you know we talk about you talked about the Sierra Nevadas. And a lot of guys in the Midwest, we don't know the topography, you know. And you're not talking about you're not standing on flat ground either. You know, you got these trees, you're hiking in with your gear and your backpack you may be out there for days you know and you're hiking back out it's not like you drive down the road you step out go to the curb and fell a tree oh you gotta I mean ideally yeah you do but yeah there's
2: definitely some days where you're you're hiking all day or you know you get flown in and you're spiked out for a week or up to two weeks at a time so yeah it's always an adventure man it's it's pretty wild so um, that's cool yeah. And it's, it's really, you know, I just got my contract a couple, two or three days ago and I've had days where I've got been gone for five days all summer. And then I've had years like last year, I was gone 65, 70 days and you just never know. So with that, I call it a gig and, you know, with, with this and me being a contract follower, I wanted to touch on this earlier. You, you say, and they call me in. There are definitely a very, a lot of very good fallers and cutters within the Forest Service um, that handle a lot of the trees that I cut. They just bring us in as added help and to definitely take the big liable ones. So there definitely great are some great cutters out. out there.
1: Great shout out. No, you're right. Um, the podcast is both Arbor culture and forestry. And you're right. Uh, we've had state foresters on the podcast before that... Um, I was telling Corey that some of these young foresters that I've got to kn- got to know through Michigan State Forestry and all that, that I think now that I can see the end of the light of my tunnel when I'm starting to come towards retirement, that I really do feel good seeing guys like yourself and Corey and some of these guys that are really doing an amazing job out there to preserve what they can. Uh, so uh, that's awesome. And yeah, again, great shout out to the US Forest Service. Yeah, good
0: good people. So Craig, how many how many contract fallers are there within the forest service, would you say? Cuz everybody talks about, you know, the how, how scarce it is to be a smoke jumper and and how prestigious and it it, it sure is. How many contract fallers are there within the forest service that you that you that you know of?
2: I would say this is tough. I was actually trying to think about this and briefly look at it when I got my contract. Excuse me. I don't know, man. If I had to take a stab at it, maybe 300, 400. Wow. 250. I just, I, I'm not sure. So they tighten the, the regs, the, the rules and regulations to where you're only as a contract faller, you're only allowed to work for one company. Cause a lot of guys were bouncing around and cutting for like four different companies. And meanwhile, other companies weren't getting called because People are just kind of abusing the situation. So this is the first year that it's really tightened up. So I'm curious to really see how much what the numbers actually are now because this will be the truth. True sign. I don't. I would say, man, yeah, maybe a hundred people in the state of California, Oregon,
1: Washington. Yeah, four hundred ish. Sure. Wow, it's a big territory for. That's amazing. You know, it's beautiful out there. Like I said, I had the opportunity. I'm not sure. Are you familiar with Archangel ancient tree archives? On uh, Michigan, they're preserving. Uh, I've heard of that. Actually, I have. They're preserving historic trees by cuttings. They're a scientific lab in Coat, Michigan, that uh, some of these, like uh, the Lozon- Lonzo stag tree and the waterfall tree in the Sierra Nevada is on the south side, the very south. There's 700 acres that's private, the only privately owned part of the Sierra Nevada is left, and we got to climb those trees. And we talk about the terrain and the size of these trees. You climb um, the stag? Yeah, dude. We climbed the stag. A bit.
2: So I was in the fire last year that was in that community.
1: It was like a couple miles away. Yeah. It was. From I have a picture stag. at the stag tree. Really? I climbed it, dude. And then not far from that, we climbed the waterfall tree, and the waterfall tree was hollow. And uh, a couple of my buddies went down, and rappelled in it. The first guys were rappelling it. So I'll have to show you oh, a photograph. It's yeah, please, photograph then. of uh, Jake Carafell, as uh, a good friend of mine, as a photographer, rappelled down about 40, 50 feet in it and shot my buddy Wayne rappelling down on his head up out the top of the tree. Oh my
2: gosh. So, so it was the the castle fire is what the name of that fire It was in that community. And we went so last
1: year, or was a year ago. It wasn't it was that long ago. ago.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was not long ago. Um, so it's kind of a funny story. There was another group of fallers there, and he was a tree climber. I stay kind of quiet about the tree climbing when you're out falling timber because some of the old timers look at you like, eh, "You're not a faller. <laughs> you're you're a climber." So he's kind <laughs> of on, but there's a difference. Yeah, definitely. And um, so this one, the there was a lightning or uh, it wasn't lightning strike. It ran up one and was in the top of like 120 foot Sequoia, I'd say. And they wanted a bid from one of the tree climbers, timber faller guys. And he told them 50000 to go up there. They got so offended, they kicked him off the fire. Told what? him to go ahead. Yeah. Wow. The, man, man. That's like a
1: year's salary,
2: man. <laughs> but I understand that high number, man, because it was kicking ash. And if you, you would have to set a few different lines, because if you set a line and ash kicked and burnt your rope, you know, it's definitely a lot of different scenarios when it's on fire and compromised and burning above you as you're climbing up, you know? Yeah.
1: You put a, yeah, that's, I I, I guess what you kind of choke on it at first, but you're right. You're right. You're up there. You know, those nylon lines, you know, get one ember on them. And then you're, you got your life on there and you're hundred feet up in the air. Yeah, um, yeah. I know the duff layer underneath them are, it's pretty thick, but, you believe me. You'll hit hard enough. You'll plant yourself, and you'll be. Oh, yeah. Hope to God you got an acorn in your back pocket because you're going to be a tree. Corey, you ever climbed?
0: <laughs> I I have. I do occasionally, not very well. Uh, what what ruined me as a climber was when the company I was climbing for got a rear mount bucket truck, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden. Uh, I I blew out my left hip when I was in high school, but all of a sudden that started to flare up, and my elbow started to flare up, and then my attitude started to flare up. But man, I'm not a good I'm not a good climber, but I will park a rear mount bucket truck between your house, a dog house, the neighbor's house, and a power line just so I don't have to climb. Yep,
2: they definitely are handy in the right situations.
0: Yeah, you're probably not using too many bucket trucks when you're out on a out on a forest service wildfire.
2: No, um, I actually, it was a trip. Um, there was a fire out and this was probably because I had some buddies on the local forest, but they had a fire two years ago and I went out there and they had spike camp set up uh, you know, and they had all the eating tables under these pondos and they had some good three or four inch widow makers. And instead of moving the table and chairs like 60 feet over, they paid me an absurd amount of money to go out and deadwood these trees, like 10 trees.
1: That's so awesome. it's all right.
2: I actually ended up climbing a tree on a fire. But yeah, it was, it was interesting. The main fire was way far away. You know, we were at camp. But yeah, I did
1: end up climbing on a fire. <laughs> so you know, not as a, you're not only a timber feller and a smoke jumper, you're a climbing arborist also? So I was never a smoke
2: jumper. Uh, I was on a hotshot crew. Hot shot crew. Okay. I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Right. Smoke jumpers. Uh, they're, they're awesome people, but I have no idea why you would jump out of a perfectly good airplane into a fire. Beyond yeah. That. Yeah. that that goes
1: above and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing.
2: My buddy, yeah. um, the, the, A guy that helps me out every now and then he, he's a structure firefighter in town. Uh, Marshall, we were on the hot shot crew together and he was a smoke jumper for four years. So, we work together and he talks about it quite a bit. And it's, it's pretty wild what goes on, man. Way out in the woods where you would never have any idea, whatever, nothing. It's that's, that's pretty badass. Pretty intense people out there.
1: Perfect. Um, I, I know uh, I, I, we look, talk about Prescott and um, a lot of people don't remember this, but back a few years, uh, there was a serious fire out there. Uh, where uh, a lot of guys uh, lost their life and they made a movie about it. Is, uh, is that far from you? You know, because you've been in the business, been out there for a while. Were you out there when that happened? Um, so I actually left
2: um, the Forest Service the year before that and was down in Phoenix at the time. Uh, but long story, yeah, uh, I knew a lot of those individuals, and it was a very, a very rough time for a lot of people and the town in general. It was, it was pretty interesting to see an entire town go, go through basically like a, a Great Depression, but just within the town itself. I mean, there was nobody out; businesses weren't operating. It was, it was wild. Uh, it, was, it was very,
1: very heartbreaking. So, I, um, I, I like I said, I hope it you don't mind me asking about it but the uh they made the movie the movie was it's heartbreaking to watch it's tough to watch mm-hmm. um but it shines a light on an industry that nobody really knows anything about yep. um, uh, these
2: funny. Yeah, Um pretty amazing men and
1: women put their life on the line um cory and i have talked about energy clearance guys you know these climbers that are over you know, 40,000 KV lines dangling on a rope, pulling branches off of primaries. They don't get enough credit and neither do uh, individuals like yourself or uh, that ones that go out there to in a forest fire, like you said, or jumping out of a perfectly good airplane, like you said, it, or getting in there, trying to get ahead of it and getting under control. Yeah. I appreciate you
2: saying something about it. You said before that movie came out, really nobody had a, a clue what that was all about and, and we'll talk about it in a second just a quick side note it was like two years before that movie came out I think we were in New Mexico or something Stop somewhere and you know they try and find a central spot where you can go have a choice within a few restaurants and me and a couple guys go to Denny's to grab something to eat and we walk in and the the uh, manager of Denny's looks at us doesn't even say anything he's like oh hey follow me we're kind of looking at each other like all right and he's walking back walking and he walks us into the kitchen and we're looking at each other and we don't say anything and he's walking us right through the kitchen I'm like looking at chefs and like waving I'm like what on earth is going on here and he brings us back by this boiler and he goes okay there it is there's a boiler and quit working and we don't know what's going on with it so would you guys go ahead and fix that and we're like, uh, <laughs> a, a hot shot. We're we do like wildland fire stuff. We have nothing to do with like boilers or anything related <laughs> or anything. We're, he's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, well, I'll go get you a booth then. Was cool. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody really had any idea what it was or what it was about, but I will say that movie, uh, I I do have a good amount of respect for the producer and the the way that whole thing went down, because as hard as it was for the town, the producer tried to be as respectful as he could. And he actually, um, I, I do tree work with a buddy named Brandon Bunch. And he, if you ever see that movie, you know, the guy that opens the, the beer with a saw. Yeah. 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 So that's my real good buddy, Brandon Bunch. He runs mile high tree service and he was on Granite mountain for a while. So the producer found like three or four X granite mountain hotshots and paid them a substantial amount of money and grouped up the main movie actors, the main actors in the movie and sat them in Prescott for like a week or two. And so they can just get the feel and the vibe and they took them around and they showed them and they just described to them like who and what this place is. And, uh, it was another funny note, but I, I uh, went downtown one night and there's a bunch of movies. My buddy Brandon calls me he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, hanging. He's like, grab your wife and come downtown. I'm like, for what? He's like, just come down here. We walk in this bar and she's hold my arm and she starts looking around and just squeezing my arm. And it's full of those movie actors, a couple of pretty big name people. Oh yeah. So it was pretty cool that they did that. And he also paid him to go out to the movie set and be like, you know, hey, this was real. That's not so realistic. So that movie, in my mind, is a pretty good job of what actually happens with, you know, the whole Hollywood. You got to Hollywood it and make a movie out of it. But there's a lot of very factual and realistic looking things
1: that actually happen. So I I appreciate you mentioning that. That was, it was how accurate it was. And uh, for any of the podcast listeners, uh, the name of the movie is Only the Brave. Um, if you're gonna take the time to sit down and watch it, I I, I suggest that you uh, get yourself separated, sit down for the long haul, and you might wanna you know you just might wanna be by yourself when you watch it the first time. So uh, it's an amazing movie. And Craig, thank you for um, you know taking the time to speak about that.
2: But you know some good people, but yeah, this, they're good dudes.
0: No, well, let, thank you for sure and to them and their families and the town sacrifice and everything. You know, it's just, it's incredible. And something that folks maybe who haven't been to Prescott might not realize is that there are some amazing trees. Obviously the movie, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but yeah, trying to save this this incredible tree. But there are some, I think it might even be North America's, one of North America's largest cottonwoods is in Skull Valley, Skull Canyon. What, what is it?
2: Yeah, it's down in Skull Valley. I think, I think a section of it ripped out a year or two ago. But yeah, the largest Fremont I think in North America or possibly the world. Really? And, yeah, and <laughs> I believe Flagstaff is the most dense stand of ponderosa uh, in the world. I believe.
0: I I think you're right. I I was at a tree conference down there. I typically go and it's a September conference just about every year. And that was one of the deals you could check out is you could see, you could see the oldest, one of the oldest white Oaks in America. And that's, it's, that's somewhere near the, uh, the courthouse or the the town building. But then you could also drive and Joe, I'm not kidding. You're driving through the desert and there's this, there's this like marshy river deal on the left on this windy road. And the, the cottonwood is so big. I parked an SUV underneath it. And walked a hundred feet away, and it made the SUV look small. I mean, it was incredible. See,
1: you wouldn't think of that because the environment that, uh, you know, what it needs. But you know what? It's probably been there for a couple hundred years. No one ever messed with it. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, the Indians didn't cut that thing. Well, they probably couldn't. They <laughs> could even when the Indians they couldn't cut it down.
2: So. You know, down, that's- by, uh, down by Camp Verde, pardon the interruption there, Joe. Oh, down good. by Camp Verde, there's some 60, 70-inch sycamores. I mean, there's some substantial trees. I mean, with any state, you know, there's awesome trees everywhere. You just got to know where to look. But it's pretty funny in general, you know, being a timber faller. When you I run into people from Washington that have never been there before, I would, yeah, you're from Arizona, there ain't no trees there. And just, I just chuckle out because I'm like, hey, I'm the cactus. I'm the cactus cutter.
1: You know, I was teasing a good friend of mine, uh, Tracy Maloney. She serves on my board. She's, one of my, she's the treasurer for my nonprofit that's, that preserves the history. And she's from Idaho. I gave her so much crap about there aren't, there's, there's no trees in Idaho. I said, Did you guys, just that's why you grow potatoes. And she's like, no, my God, no, there's forests. There's everything. And then she showed me a few pictures, even like I said, I, I born and raised in Michigan. I know the Midwest, like the back of my hand, but you know, the farther west you get, obviously a little bit less, you know, you get to Utah and you know, there's not a lot there, but man, she showed me some pictures of Idaho, another beautiful state. You know, it's just amazing that you're right. Everybody's got some beautiful trees out there. Got nowhere to look.
0: Got to, got to know where to look. Got to know who the tree people are to talk to. Who's got the, who's got the pickup truck and the chainsaw? Um, Craig, is as we're as we're wrapping up here, we've got about oh, a couple minutes left. Is there, is there anything that you want to pass on to people in the industry, or is there anything, any part of your story that you still want people to hear?
2: Um, I, not really, man. Just, I just try and be a humble guy and do what's right all the time just try hard and yeah and try and involve myself with gentlemen like yourselves
0: <sighs> you you I appreciate that you, you're too kind and you are humble and our industry really needs more of that for sure um some something I, I really would like to touch on briefly here is that for all the talking and the texting and everything that we've done you are you're well-rounded I mean, talk about a guy uh, who didn't get into this industry until, you know, 18 or something. Then your contract climbing for the Forest Service, you have your own uh, successful business in Prescott doing everything from pruning and removals. And now you're doing trunk injection against an invasive uh, pest that that you're starting to see pop up in your area. What What's that like being one of the few companies that has the technology and the foresight to help save people's trees by doing that.
2: Yeah. It's uh, you know, once again, it all just came down to hard work and I just naturally got here. You know, I was, I was climbing and cutting and I would see these trees and, you know, certain parts looked healthy and and I was cutting uh, unhealthy parts off and wondering why and just started doing research and it just snowballed further and further and I, yeah I, I just really started get getting into plant health care and really enjoy it. It's very technical you know a lot of knowledge and it's tough because I feel like to be a really true professional you really have to commit yourself kind of like how you did Corey but at the same time I just love running saw and you know milling and I just love all aspects of tree work so it's tough to really dive into one but you know, and I got your help, man. It's, it's so appreciated. So. Well,
0: you, you, you deserve it. And you're going to do, you're only going to do incredible things, but something I know people at this point as they're following along in the episode, they're going to want to know, how do they find you? What can they type into YouTube to watch some of the videos you've done or how can they reach out?
2: Um, yeah. Um, you just uh, YouTube, my name, Craig Onkin. And uh, I don't know if you, when you put this up, or somebody could see how that's spelled. Uh, you
0: might want you might want to spell it out. I think I think people are going to love to see what you have out there.
2: <laughs> it's uh, first name Craig C R A I G, last name Honken O N K E N. It's like Honken without the H.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Uh, if you ever make it to the Midwest, you stop by, you can you, you can hang out by my campfire anytime. We got some beautiful white pines to climb and um, Michigan tree championship is going to be in September. So I'm not sure. I know you got a new baby coming, so you might be hunkered down for a while. Congratulations on that. Thank you, sir. And uh, again, Craig, thanks for coming on. I just wish you nothing but the best and thanks for sharing your story with us. Yeah, likewise, gentlemen, uh, it was a pleasure to be here. Awesome to
2: talk to the both of you and look forward to hopefully speaking with you guys in the future.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thanks,
0: Corey. Thanks, Jill. Hey, great topic today. Yes. Lots of good information. Yeah. Probably one of our best yet.
1: If you enjoyed the podcast or have topics you would like to discuss, please send them to discoveringforestry at gmail.com. And please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. Thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Joe.
0: And I'm Corey. Signing Signing out. out.